ESPN, WENJ, WENJ HD, Millville, Atlantic City. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Jeff Mosier, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. I love coaching this football team. I love coaching those players in there. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. Uh, yes, Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast and brought to you on a Friday edition by our friends, over at PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now. They'll match your first deposit up to $250. Go to PlaySugarHouse.com. Win real money with their sports books, along with casino games for the comfort of your home. Must be 21 or older to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Often imitate it. Never duplicate it. Football at four here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Jeff Mocher on a Friday. He is the host of the Inside the Birds podcast and Inside the Birds pregame show, which you can check out tomorrow starting at 10 a.m. with Jeff, Adam Kaplan, Trey Thomas, and Greg Cosell. Jeffrey, what's going on, man? Hello, Mike. Hi, Hunter. How you doing? I'm uh, I'm excited for this weekend. I am excited for the Inside the Birds live pregame show. Uh, I've, you know, obviously been a big part of writing the script, and I think we've got some really uh, fascinating stuff. You know, Trey Thomas put together a video on on what he's seen out of Carson Wentz and his struggles, and um, he's also put, a, put together one on the, the monster game that Jason Kelsey had that kind of flew under the radar last week. Jason Kelsey was definitely eating his Cheerios uh, in the morning last week. And, you know, with this uh, Bengals team that's pretty light on the interior coming here to Philadelphia because they'll be without Mike Daniels and without Geno Atkins, uh, you would think that that is another good matchup for Jason Kelsey to get his, uh, you know, get the run game, get the screen game going. Yeah, I was going to uh, start with, you know, some advantages, and they give up 185 yards on the ground. They do not stop the run. And as you just mentioned, uh, I know Atkins out. I think Daniels might play. He's kind of iffy if he does. He's got a groin problem there. But even if he does, uh, their mm-hmm. best player is Atkins on the front of that line, and they have been getting scorched. We've heard a lot about the 12 personnel due to the limits at wide receiver. Is this a heavy run game this week? Heavy well, what town do you think you're uh, watching football in? What coaching staff do you think this is? Heavy if you mean heavy run by, you know, 45% then maybe. Uh no, I kid. I do think the run I don't know how if, if they're going to lean on it, you know, 20% more than they normally do. But I do think they're going to get a lot more volume out of their run game. A lot more impact runs and uh, if anybody listened to the Inside the Birds podcast uh, that came out this morning with me and Adam, and we talked about matchups. I picked Miles Sanders to have the best game of the uh, all the offensive playmakers. And I think that, you know, you go back to last year in December when they were really hurting at wide receiver, how much they leaned on Miles in both the running game and as a receiver. And even last week, it's another thing we're going to detail on the show. Uh, Carson had an opportunity to hit Miles out of the backfield probably two or three more times than he already did hit him last week, which was, I think, three for 35 or 36 in the receiving game. I think that there's, I think Carson's going to come a little bit more crisp, and I really do think Miles Sanders is going to have a big, big game. 
you know, last year we brought up a lot how when the receivers went down, much like this year. Now, they didn't have Deshaun Jackson last year. He's a big difference uh, compared to what they had last year. But they really stripped things down. They went 12 personnel. They simplified things. Do you anticipate seeing something like that again where they really strip it down and they go 80% 12 personnel? Do we even see more of that? But that 12 personnel also helps, uh, you know, exemplify the run game. So is that what we're going to see? Yeah, you know, I think 80% last week was obviously because of the game plan, as you're mentioning, stabilize the offense, give them some two good, reliable, short pattern type targets in, in Ertz and Goddard. Uh, I, w- I think they would have liked to have been able to open it up a little bit more this week against the Bengals, especially because the Bengals just don't have a great pass rush uh, and they have a, a suspect secondary. But with the absence now of Jalen Rager, putting them in a little bit of a position like last year where, it, yes, at least you have Deshaun Jackson's speed on one side, but now you will you might have to have either J.J. Ortega-Whiteside or a mixture of other receivers there uh, to the X position. It kind of forces the issue for Doug to say, I think I have to play this much 12 personnel again uh, because my tight ends are my strength. And I do think the the presence of Deshaun Jackson will allow them – even in 12 personnel to kind of uh, you know work off that play action and try to hit Deshaun deep. I want to get your thoughts on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside because Doug Peterson did speak and say that you know he's going to have to be utilized more. What have you seen out of him through the first two games that should leave people optimistic about using him more, or is there no such thing? Well, Hunter, you know, the screen game hasn't been very good for, as we've come to expect for the Eagles, uh, you know, at least through two games. But I do wonder if Doug Peterson today was throwing his best smokescreen out, uh, saying that we're going to have to rely on J.J. Ortega Whiteside and uh, we get, he's a guy who can play multiple positions for what? Multiple, two? X and slot? I mean, I mean that's great. <laughs> that's, that's literally one more position uh, to be able to call it multiple. <laughs> so, and I'm not even sure he's an effective slot receiver yet. So I, I do question whether Doug is kind of keeping it close to the vest. They only have four wide receivers active that we know of. That will be Deshaun. That will be Arthago Whiteside. It'll be, high, you know, I assume it'll be Hightower and uh, Greg Ward. Wouldn't surprise me if we see, and we'll find out by four o'clock tomorrow, if Deontay Burnett gets a call up. Because if you go back to last December, when the Eagles really needed some no-name guys to rely on, I think I, I think you'd see more catches, more impactful catches from Deontay Burnett than you would from J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about this Deontay Burnett because is this a situation in your mind, Moshe, that Greg Ward didn't get a shot until it was absolutely necessary and he ended up being a better player than maybe some of the guys they kept due to draft status? Could you see Burnett maybe be a better option than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? That Ortega-Whiteside only gets the opportunities because of his draft position. Yeah, I'm not trying to be Cavalier, Mike, I swear. But, I mean, yes, of course I could see Deontay Burnett being a, a you know more of an option than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. But that's, that's easy to say because we just have not seen Ortega-Whiteside make any meaningful contribution to this team. I know it's just two weeks, but you go back to last year and the struggles there. And uh, I thought last week he had a, a pretty bad, I guess it was a drop. It wasn't the greatest throw, but for a guy known for making contested catches, you know, he didn't bring one down. I think that was a big third down that he couldn't bring in. And then of course, you know, didn't run the greatest route um, on the Carson ball that should have never been thrown anyway. 
So Burnett's a guy who's contributed to them. You know, he's a USC guy. Those guys tend to be fairly decent route runners in general. Um, you know, he's played for the Eagles now more more than a year. He was on the Jets in 2018 also and had 10 catches for 143 yards, right? I mean, that's that that's basically JJ Ortega Whiteside production. So I don't I think they just the Eagles get by on on knowing that wide receivers uh in this league can be a dime of a dozen and I think it's to their benefit that they have a guy like Burnett on the practice squad who no one's going to run to sign, but at the same time can be called up and can help you. By no means am I saying Greg Ward is some elite weapon, but could you see a scenario where maybe he is, yeah, like last year, he was definitely a piece that helped this team move the chains last year. Is that something that maybe we can see happen Sunday? You know, it, it's possible, Hunter. He's normally the slot wide receiver when they're in their three wide um, formations, which obviously they're not in a lot of these days. So it's hard to get him on the field to help them when they're in their, you know, two tight end packages. However, and this is something, you know, I pay really close attention, but I didn't catch this last year, but apparently Greg Cosell did. Another reason to watch uh, our pregame show is Cosell mentioned that there were times last year that Ward did line up as an outside receiver in 12 personnel. Now, that's not something that the Eagles want to be married to, but every once in a while, because he was dependable, because he can catch the ball, and because he does know how to get open through crafty route running, you can put him at that X uh, spot and and maybe have that – you run that, like, backside slant or dig or, you know, one of the simpler routes that is not down the field – and just try to keep the chains moving. So potentially he's someone that they could use there. Um, I think the real question, guys, is after kind of a week two benching, do they trust John Hightower to be able to get on the field and try to be another field stretcher? Or are, is John Hightower still someone that they don't see as a reliable player to have out there? Talk with Jeff Mosher, Football at Four here, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Don't forget to check him out tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. for the Inside the Birds pregame show, and that's uh, filled with a lot of great information. Uh, Trey Thomas, Greg Cosell, Adam Kaplan, and Jeff Mosher will have that for you. Um, all right, when you look at some of the – both teams 0-2, so they both have their problems. Where is an mm-hmm. area that if the Eagles are at a disadvantage and concerning, what bothers you about this Bengals team, which, you know, it's – they're better than they were last year. And one of the reasons they were so bad last year, you know, A.J. Green got hurt. He's back. The quarterback got hurt last year. Um, and now, obviously, they have the first pick. So they're better at two positions than they were a year ago. So where are some disadvantages that worry you? Well, one disadvantage that, that has my eye is the matchup between Tyler Boyd, Bengals wide receiver, and Nikel Roby Coleman, who, through two games so far, has not looked like the Nikel Roby Coleman that the Eagles thought that they were getting. Uh, It's funny because we talk every year. You go into the year and you just know. You just know that there are going to be like three or four players that you have expectations for that are going to fall short. And then there's three or four players who um, you think are not going to be good who kind of come into their own. And I don't want to make any premature judgments after two weeks, but I think the numbers on Nikhil Roby Coleman are, are nine for nine yeah. targets he's allowed and an 150.5 passer rating against him. And that's pretty damning when you consider that one of the two teams he's faced were his teammates. So, I mean, th- you would have thought he at least had a little bit of you know knowledge and, and uh, some, some of their offense figured out, and he was obviously exposed and then, you know, you played a Washington team that wasn't very good. And not to say he was the uh, 
the only culprit in that game, but they, they had some breakdowns in the secondary that led to Washington scoring three times in their four red zone trips. So Tyler Boyd's a really good receiver. I actually watched about five games of tape on him uh, a year ago when I was doing the scouting Academy. And what he's really good at is he can play inside or outside, but when he goes inside, he's really good at running that kind of deep post, that vertical post from the slot that you used to see uh, Alshon, uh, not Alshon, uh, uh, Nelson Aguilar run. And he's very good at kind of just going high to get that ball uh, and catching it between the corner and the safety down the field, hanging on, taking hits. It's a physical receiver. He makes contested catches, and he and he's a smart route runner, and he's going to probably draw Nikel Roby Coleman at times. And you have to hope that this is a game where Nikel looks like the Nikel Roby Coleman that the Eagles uh, thought they were getting because Joe Burrow has been the real deal. I mean, if there's one thing that's really a surprise with Joe Burrow is that I think he's thrown the ball 97 times already. I think he leads the NFL in pass attempts and second in completions, and um, he's only thrown one interception. So for a rookie, that's pretty darn good, especially when you consider that he didn't have any OTAs and an altered training camp. To throw that many passes and not have that uh, and only have one interception shows that the kid is really uh, smart and process as well. How do you feel about the trenches for the Eagles? Because I look at this matchup and I feel that they could probably win both sides. Yeah, I mean, this is where you have to think the Eagles have a major, major advantage, Hunter. Uh, you know, the offensive line played a much better game last week. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the lack of interior pass rush that, that the, the Bengals don't get by not having Geno Sacks out there. Um, they're not particularly uh, – Carlos Dunlap is a pretty good uh, edge rusher. Um, he's not bad at all, actually, but um, he's one. he's a guy that should be contained by – by Lane Johnson and Jason Peters. In general, I do think the offensive line here for the Eagles has a chance to reset the line of scrimmage a lot on runs and and really keep Carson well protected. And conversely, you know, the Bengals have a very bad offensive line. Their left tackle, Jonah Williams, pretty good, but the rest of the offensive line, not very good at all. In fact, Joe Mixon, is it looks like he's having a bad year, but he's just getting hit behind the line of scrimmage a whole lot. I, and I think that even, even if Fletcher Cox doesn't play, when you've got – Malik Jackson, and you've got Javon Hargrave, and Brandon Graham certainly could afford a bounce back uh, from last week. Uh, this is an area the Eagles have to dominate. Yeah, I was going to follow up with, you know, uh, Bobby Hart, not very good. You got Brandon Graham there. That's a matchup that you got to exploit. If you get, mm-hmm. if, I, I know a lot of people have talked about they got good pass rush last week, but if you don't, there's a difference between getting good pressure and dominating up front, just taking them out of, of everything. Uh, and they didn't stop the run very well last week. They had some problems there. If they don't dominate up front after this week, do you start to have legitimate concerns about that defensive front? Oh, I would think so. I mean, if you're 0-3 and your defensive line, which you're so heavily invested in, isn't getting to the quarterback or struggles again to stop the run, then you start to worry about, well, where did it go wrong? Is it aging? Is it Fletcher Cox who's hurt and, and another year older coming off of a year last year that wasn't great by Fletcher Cox standards? Same thing with Brandon Graham. You worry about that spot opposite Brandon Graham that was supposed to be manned by Derek Barnett. Can he come back strong? You'll obviously have questions about his future if he doesn't look like he makes his mark. Uh, you know, with Vinnie Curry out, they're going to have to rely on Josh Sweat and Barnett to kind of pick up the, the pace there. And, and that's a little bit of a drop off from what they've had the last few years, even with Vinny. Vinny's a really good run defender as well. I, I thought that they really missed him last year in that. I mean, I'm sorry, last week when they were kind of getting gashed there on some of those runs. So, yeah, you would wonder that. And I think Jim Schwartz would probably get questioned a little bit. You know, this is a game where I think Jim has the opportunity to kind of shake off 
I don't think he has to blitz a whole lot because it's not a great offensive line, but don't let J- Joe Burrow get comfortable. Um, I think he got, he let uh, Goff get too comfortable last week, you know, eight out of eight, then nine out of nine, then 10 out of 10. And I heard you, you know, earlier in the week, Mike talking about blitzing. And um, if you don't have good blitzers and maybe he doesn't blitz because the Eagles don't have great blitzers. And that that's a fair point. You and I have, kind of gone back and forth on that in the past. I would just say that not the 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 end result of a of a blitz isn't always have to be a sack. Mm-hmm. It's just to get the quarterback moving off his mark and uncomfortable. So you don't need to be Troy Palomalu, right, to be able to force a little issue on the quarterback and that's where I thought Jim fell short by not bringing either a guy down on the line of scrimmage. So now you got five linemen versus five uh, five offense for five defense and you can't get those combo blocks to set up play action or just bringing a guy in late as a blitzer to force Goff when he rolls out to have somebody in his face while he's trying to throw. Doug Peterson said something today that really stood out to me. And and in the grand scheme of things, it might not be the biggest thing in the world, but he did mention the backup quarterback situation. And he was talking about how it might be week to week. And it's, I'm just so confused. I, I just don't understand. After Hertz was in play last week, they had some gadget plays for him. If that's going to be his role, wouldn't you think that that's going to be his role? I just, I don't know. Is it coach speak? I'm just trying to figure out what they're trying to do with this backup quarterback role. Well, you know, Hunter, I think normally, you know, Adam and I like to come on here and, you know, give you a pretty good feel for what the team is thinking and direction and a little, you know, share some intel but I got to admit on this one, I think Adam and I are, are both like you and Mike and everyone else where we just don't kind of understand the philosophy there. And it's just not something that's clear to, uh, to those who have asked. So uh, I, I really don't have, you know, much other than to wonder about, again, you know, when you take a guy in the second round, there's kind of that, you know, pressure from either yourself or your above above or, whatever to like, you know, try to get something out of him and get him on the field. Now I don't, I can't understand why, even if you wanted to use him in a gadget way, why you wouldn't also have Nate Sudfeld active just in case Carson got hurt, unless they were thinking if Carson gets hurt, we're not winning with either Sudfeld or, or Jalen hurts. So it doesn't really matter. I'm very, uh, I'm not caught off guard because sometimes this organization does things that are surprising to me, but this would have to be one of them as well. Yeah, and didn't Doug say a couple of weeks ago he was asked about three? Well, why wouldn't you want to have three quarterbacks? Well, I haven't seen you use three quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, it's like exactly right. It's like <laughs> why wouldn't you want three? Well, you have the opportunity to do it, and you have elected not to. Um, I want to ask you about because he said we have confidence in JJ. We talked about that. How do you think the the, the reps are split up? Is are they going to try? Is this essentially J.J.'s last shot here to show, hey, we're going to give you full reps. Show us whether you are what we thought you were or not. You know, that's probably going to be the case. I I, I can't say I know it totally, and it wouldn't shock me if they did try to rotate some other guys in there because they've already lost faith in Ortega Whiteside's ability to play an entire game and make an impact. I mean, he'll clearly get some snaps, I would have to think, because – they need guys there, but I don't know if this is good. Look, and if he does get those snaps, I do agree, Mike, he's going to have to do something impactful in them. I don't think they're going to do what they did last year with Mac Hollins, which is wait, what did he go? Like seven games without a target, some kind of crazy historical yeah. uh, footnote that, that eventually led to Mac Hollins, uh, you know, seeing the unemployment line. 
Uh, and I don't even think Matt, Matt Collins is signed anywhere. I'd have to go. go he's look on, and he's check on that. the Dolphins. Oh, is he on the I mean, He did last year. Is he still on with them? I thought so. I, well, I watched the game last night. I don't remember. Well, I, mean, his name I don't think I don't think anything's changed, but I think he might right. be on the team. And by the way, on that point, Hyde. Oh, he is on the Dolphins. Was he active last night? He has he has three games, so he did play last night. Uh, he's a special teams guy. But um, High Tower has four targets. Ortega Whiteside has two. That's a bad sign. Wow, it's amazing because High Tower only played what like fourteen snaps. Yeah, so if that last week against. Um, uh, Rams. I mean, I do think Carson wants to trust Hightower more, and I'm sure this week in practice they're trying to develop that relationship as as uh, as fast as they can. This is a big week for for both Carson's coaches and for Aaron Moorhead, you know, the uh, wide receivers coach, to figure out a way to get the Carson and some wide receiver who can play the X on the same page. All right. Um, by the way, the Bengals' offensive line six sacks. 52 pressures. It's the third most in the NFL. This is a, a matchup that they have to win, but I want to flip it real quick. Joe Mixon's the running back. We know the Eagles linebackers have been terrible. Is that an area that worries you, or is the, is the linebacker play not an issue against this particular matchup? <laughs> no, I mean, it's always an issue. It's funny. I was having this com- exact conversation with uh, a team source recently who said, you know, yeah, you know, Mixon versus – Riley and, and Gary, and I said, well, you know, the Bengals' offensive line is so bad that I don't even know if Mixon's going to make it to the second level. I mean, the Eagles have a pretty good defensive front line there, and Mixon's been hit so much at the line of scrimmage or behind it that you wonder if it's not even a big deal for the linebackers. But certainly they'll be tested, and then not just in the run game, Mike, but, I mean, Zach Taylor is a guy who coached under uh, Sean McVay. And so he's a Sean McVay disciple, and I have to think because it's a copycat league that they're going to try to maybe mimic some of the play action and the rollouts uh, that you saw last week the Rams do. And and the Bengals probably need to do it even more because of their offensive line. And so the eye discipline, uh, the the over-pursuit, the things that failed the linebacker crew last week, you would have to think the Bengals would try to capitalize on if they can just kind of be functional. Yeah. That's something we brought up with Andrew earlier in this week is that Taylor, you know, does he call his old buddy Sean McVay and say, hey, hey, which one of those plays did uh, really work last week? The one difference is, I think, uh, <laughs> what do you think Sean said? All of them? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Every single one. Every single one. Um, but get your tight end going, even if you don't have one, which uh, obviously they're they're down a tight end. Who's that? Drew Sample will be the tight end. Uh, we'll see how he works out because Higby's pretty good. He got you for uh-huh. three touchdowns last week. Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast. Uh, the Inside the Birds podcast, it's the premier inside information on the Eagles. They've got a tremendous team with Trey Thomas and Derek Gunn and Adam Kaplan and uh, Greg Cosell and obviously Jeff uh, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Make sure you uh, check those guys out. Who wins and why? Uh, I do think the Eagles are going to win. I feel like it's going to be like the Jets game last year where they're going to win Fairly convincingly, but people are still going to leave wondering, uh, you know, what's wrong with this or what's wrong with that. But I do think the Eagles are going to win and dominate the line of scrimmage. Convincing win, says Jeff Mosher, and uh, we'll see. That's all tomorrow right here on 97.3 ESPN, your home for Eagles football. Football at four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Jeff, you guys are doing a great job with that. If everybody out there has not stumbled upon it yet, make sure you make it a daily. uh, You got something every day of the week now, right? 
<laughs> at least one, sometimes two and three things every day of the week. All right. Uh, and, of course, uh, every day right here with the Inside the Birds guys on Football at Four. Have a great weekend, man. You too, guys. Have a good one. All right. Jeff Mosher, everybody, here on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline and Football at Four. It's brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now. They'll match your first deposit up to $250. He went Jets game on a sack in the quarterback all day long. That'd be fun. I don't know if I sent it to be to that degree, but, hey, I wouldn't be mad if it was. No, no I'm going to be real ticked off if they get a lot of sacks and blow them out. That would really stink. Okay. I, mean, I can see you being pissed. That's what you just said. No, 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 that's not what I said. You said it wouldn't tick you off. No, I... If it was the Jets game last year where they had a ton of sacks and all that, I said, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, they whipped them. They whipped the Jets last year. That game wasn't competitive at all. They just absolutely, I mean, I, Is it bad them. that I don't feel that that's going to be the way it happens? No, no, no. I, I, you know, I said, that. What you said, oh, I wouldn't be upset with that. I was like, yeah, I'd be real mad if that happened. Right? Well, they beat that I got gotcha. you. I guess I, I misunderstood the sarcasm. See, normally, uh, look, we rip Josh all the time for not understanding sarcasm. Yeah. Shame on me. Yeah. I am sarcasm, and right. I, it just went right over my head. Right? Exactly. I mean, they they beat the Jets last year 31-6. to How many sacks yeah. did they have? They hit that quarterback, I mean, it must have been 15 times. That stat there, though, six sacks, 52 pressures over two games. 52! Jeez, I want to see a pick tomorrow. Can I get a pick? Ooh, who's going to do that? Is that Arians? asking too much? Get a pick? Nah, it'll be, you know it'll be? Maddox. He dropped that one last week, though. Or was it the Redskins or the Washington football week? It'll be Maddox. Pick. That's why. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben Baby covers the Bengals. We'll get some insight information on some of the areas of the Bengals. That you- on 97.3 ESPN. Our outside view takes us to Cincinnati today. It's brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call for convenient locations to serve you online at gmslaw.com. Mike and Broads on a Friday. Happy hour Friday. It's time for the outside view. Ben Baby, ESPN.com's NFL Nation covers the Bengals. They're in town this week. No fans in attendance. Probably better off for the fans. 2-0-2 teams. See a Bengals team in here. Broads that uh, has surrendered six sacks, allowed 52 pressures, third most in the NFL. You think we have offensive line problems in game one. There's his continued Bobby Hart, six sacks himself. In 2019, he'll be matched up with Brandon Graham. That's a matchup to watch. Let's bring Ben in, get some more insight on this Bengals team, which obviously struggled a lot last year, Ben. They got the number one overall pick, but one of the reasons they struggled is because the quarterback situation was a mess last year. They lost A.J. Green. So how much different is the 2020 version of the Bengals than the one that was one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in football last year? Yeah, you know, first off, thanks for having me on with you all. And, and you know, we, we expected this team to, to be a little bit better, and we saw shades of that uh, the first couple of weeks, but uh, or the first week, excuse me, the last week against uh, against Cleveland, we, we saw the team that reverted to a lot of the 2019 form. Uh, you saw some issues in protection, and, and that was to be understandable. They, they put a new right guard in Fred Johnson. Uh, but defensively, I think that was really the more more pressing matter uh, they spent a lot of money on the defense, defensive side of the ball, and and granted, you did have a couple guys out, but the, some of the things that you saw, you wanted that to be better. 
Um, you know, they looked like they had a lot of problem misdirection, just a lot of problems stopping the run. And those were all things we said about the 2019 Bengals and for the amount of money that they spent, um, you would want that to be improved. So, you know, you're seeing some, some very worrisome things through two weeks. And, you know, interestingly enough, you know, I talked to Zach Taylor, and he actually told me, you know, the offensive line is not really the, the, the main problem there. He's actually been okay with, or, you know, with their, he believe that the line has been serviceable enough for Burrow. And, and, you know, he feels like they've been blocking well enough, which is, which is a bit of a surprise. Cause like you said, you know, we, we've kind of noticed the offensive line struggling at times. So we'll see what it looks like in week three. AJ Green obviously missed most of last year. He's back now, but is he the same guy? Not yet. I, I think he's still got some ways to go, and I think a lot of this is him just being nervous about what his body can can do and how much he's willing to take. Um, you know, bat now he's back on the field. I mean, you got to remember he has really struggled uh, to stay healthy the last couple of years. He had a toe injury that kept him out for the back end of the 2018 season. He he tried to come back a little too early, reaggravated it, and was done. And then last year he got injured in the first uh, practice of the preseason um, and, and suffered an ankle injury, and he was pretty much done after that. So. You know, AJ's body just hasn't hasn't been able to hold up the last couple of years, and you know, this year he had a hamstring injury at the beginning, uh, like most guys, you know, like or like a lot of guys have had uh, with the soft tissue. So, you know, AJ, you know, admitted the other day that he's it's it's taken him some time to to kind of trust himself, and you know, I think he needs to probably finish better at the top of his routes and, and really not let up on the, on the end of those. And I think that's why you're seeing a disconnect right now between him and, and rookie quarterback Joe Burrow. So. If AJ can kind of finish that, you might see this offense be a little bit more explosive than it has in the first couple of weeks. Eagles allowed a lot of yards on the ground last week, and I just want to look at Joe Mixon and I go, is he limited based off of that offensive line play? Not, not necessarily. I don't think you know, when you look at it, there's definitely some holes that he could be hitting, and and I think they've done a, a decent job in, in springing gaps for him on the offense on the. Uh, you know, right there at the line of scrimmage. The, the real problem is is the Bengals haven't been able to be in a position to where they can, where they can run the ball as much as they would like. You know, they've been chasing games uh, these first two weeks. Last week, especially, you know, that game against the Browns was not as close as the final score indicated. So I, I think if the Bengals can, it, it all goes back to can they stop the run? If they can do that, then you know I think they're going to be able to play a game that uh, a style of play that they're probably more um, used to and they they want to kind of be at. They don't want to make Joe Burrow throw the ball 61 times like he did last week. And, and I know Mixon wants to to tote the rock a little bit more than he than he did as well. So uh, you know if, as long as they're not falling behind, I think you'll see Joe Mixon get a few more carries. I mean after all, this is a guy they spent a lot of money on upwards of 40 million dollars on this offseason um, and they view him as a cornerstone piece moving forward yeah ben baby covers the Bengals. espn.com's nfl nation Bengals are in town joe burrow obviously uh the number one overall pick does it feel like anyway i mean this Bengals organization has been often criticized uh for being you know frugal at times and uh did they finally find the most important position though I, th- I think you're starting to see that. I mean, it's still way too early. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, the jury's still out on whether Burrow's going to be the guy. But so far, I think everybody has been nothing but impressed with what he's been able to do. And you know, he hasn't really looked like too much of a rookie aside from a few plays here and there these first two weeks. And you know, I had somebody in the organization tell me, you know, any it's rarely that it's Joe Burrow's fault when something is going wrong on that side of the ball. I think everyone's just been really impressed with what he's been able to do. And you know, he's just been a handful of plays away from. 
from from making a big play and from from really you know having that breakout moment that I think you're waiting on and and you know he's done a good job the last couple of weeks of not pressing things when they haven't been there. Uh, you really you know he's, he's you know I think in that first week against the Chargers he made a play or two that he would like to have back, but I don't think it was a, a decision that the Bengals would really be upset about. And, and you're you're kind of okay with some of those mistakes and you're not seeing him, you know, like last week against Cleveland, for example, they were taking away everything over the top. I mean, you, if you look at the tape, they were dropping a ton of guys in zone and giving them everything underneath. And Burrow said, okay, that's fine. I'll go ahead and take it where I can get it. And so, you know, I think that's, that's a good sign that you want to see. It's a mature thing that you're seeing from Burrow. And, you know, I, I think that right now everyone has said nothing but good things so far. And, and we'll see if he's going to be this guy for them, um, you know, that, that, that franchise quarterback that they're looking for. I think that's what the season's all about. What about Zach Taylor? You know, when you talk about the quarterback, you always talk about the head coach and they tie together. How is Zach Taylor? Last year, it's so hard to judge him off of what happened last season. But now you do have Joe Burrow, which adds another element. And they're in games. They're competitive. What's the overall vibe on Zach Taylor and, and his philosophy with this team? Yeah, so far, I think the players have really bought in. I mean, the staff has bought in. I think a lot of guys, even though they struggled last year and are 0-2 this year, I think everyone is still bought into what Taylor wants to do here in Cincinnati. Um, obviously, like you said, you know, last year it was really hard, hard, hard to gauge where Taylor was at. And, and this year, I think they have to go out, and they obviously cannot be as bad as they were last year. They need to show signs of improvement, and I think – as you get to the end of the season, those last six games are going to be huge uh, to to see you know where this team is at under Taylor and and what, what the ceiling will look like in, in 2021 when I think their their window really will open. And so you know I I don't think Zach Taylor is really on the hot seat this year. I mean I think it's a kind of uh, I, I would be shocked if the front office only gave him two seasons unless things were just completely abysmal this year. You know that that could obviously change things, but. You know, I would imagine a three-year window for him is probably the most accurate one to kind of really get a full evaluation of what he can do as a head coach. But, you know, right now the players are still, you know, at the same place they were when, when he was hired last year. And, you know, Burrow has had nothing but great things to say as well about Taylor, which I think is important because what we've seen is that they really have tailored everything around the franchise, even from that, that mindset of spending in the free agency uh, to what Burrow is looking for. So I think as long as Burrow feels like Taylor's a good fit, then, then I think that Zach will always be in a good spot. Now, if uh, in the week leading up to this game, the Eagles have been dreadful, uh, Wentz has been terrible, the defense has been awful, what concerns Zach Taylor this week? What is kind of, if you can read between the tea leaves here, of what he has kind of, what kind of messaging has he tried to get out about Philadelphia this week? You know, I think there's been some, some conversations about the packages that they use, and it's interesting enough, his, his brother Press is the pass game coordinator in Philly, and it's his first season over there uh, in that role. He's been assistant there for several years now. But, um, you know, I think you always know that Carson Wentz can, can be a guy who can cause problems. And, and to be honest, I think, I think the Bengals' issues are more severe than the Eagles' issues uh, because for the Bengals, they just, they just cannot stop the run. Um, and, and, you know, they're going to get some help back this week with Mike Daniels uh, coming back in the middle of that defensive line. But, you know, right now I think that's what everything is predicated around is that if you cannot stop the run, then this is going to be another long week. And I've got the Eagles winning for that regard because the problems that I saw last week were just were, were very worrisome, you know, if I'm someone trying to see if the Bengals are going to be any good. Um, and, and you look at what the Eagles can do, and, and even though Wentz is struggling, you can still get the ball to Miles Sanders. You can still manufacture yards up the middle. And, and because of the way the game is played in the NFL, that is enough 
to win you a ball game when your quarterback isn't clicking on all cylinders. And and as we've seen through Carson, from Carson Wentz over the years, I think he's still a guy who has a ton of talent and can still make you pay. I think his mistakes are, you know, maybe he's just forcing things a little bit too much, trying to put things in the windows where, where he doesn't need to make that risk. And if he can fix those things, um, you know, starting this week, you're going to see an improved play out of that offense. So, you know, it's going to hurt not having Jalen Rager, not having Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, but I still think they have enough playmakers on that side of the ball to, to make things happen. So, you know, I think I think Zach and, and the Bengals are fully aware of all of that, and they know that, you know, really if their defense can't get it together and if their offense can't open things up, uh, you know, it's going to be another long day for them. Ben Baby covers the Bengals, ESPN.com's NFL Nation. Ben, just uh, inform our listeners a little bit on the challenges of covering a team, especially during a road game. Yeah, you know, it's it's really strange. I won't be traveling to, to Philly, which is unfortunate because – uh, it's a place that, you know, I, I grew up a Cowboys fan, so, you know, I, I've got... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's let's see. Yeah, one of my one of my earliest memories was Michael Irvin getting booed off the field or getting cheered uh, at the vet <laughs> when he snapped his neck. So I've, I've always helped. Philly's always had a soft spot in my heart uh, because of that moment. But, no, it's honestly one of the one of the most one of the best parts about this job is getting to go see um, other cities, getting to go to other NFL venues, even even if it is, even if it's Philly. Um, you know, it is, it is something that, you know, you really look forward to. So it's, it's a bummer that I'm not, unable to go. Obviously I would have gotten Pats. I wouldn't have gotten Geno's, uh, <laughs> if I was in town. Um, and so, you know, that's, it is a bummer, but I think we're all just happy we're getting some football. I mean, it's the most important thing. I think we all just like to see that the games are being played and we just hope that, you know, we get a full 16 game slate. So the challenges are there, but you know, we'll take it, you know, given the circumstances. Bengals and Eagles this Sunday at one o'clock right here on 97.3 ESPN. Mel Reese, Mike Quick, they have the call and it is Wentz Burroughs leading the way. Ben Baby covering the Cincinnati Bengals who were in town. And he, of course, like all guests appeared via the boardwalk Honda hotline. Ben, thank you so much. Hey, y'all take care. Thank you. All right, Ben Baby from ESPN.com's NFL Nation. Kind enough to join us. He liked the Eagles to win the game. He said that running attack, a little too much. Did you know that Press and Zach Taylor were brothers? I did not know until I saw all the reports today about them going back and forth about, you know, wanting to win the game. So I did not. Did you? First I heard of it. And then I saw the uh, Press Taylor transcript today. There was a question from Ben Baby that asked him, whether or not, uh, you know, that they've been following similar paths. He said, being the younger brother, following in his footsteps, did not know that. Maybe Doug Peterson allows Press Taylor to call the entire game. Right? <laughs> Happy uh, Beat Your Older Brother Day. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine that happening. Uh, good stuff from Ben. You know, th- this team, as he mentioned, that offensive line, he said the you know the offensive line problems that they've had, the, the, the sacks, the pressures, Burroughs has done a really good job of moving, and that's what worries me a little bit is him getting out of there and making stuff happen with the legs. That's that's the one problem there. But they got all sorts of you know line problems. Bobby Hart, Jonah Williams, uh, Michael Jordan, not the really good Michael Jordan, the other guy, Trey Hopkins. They have really struggled against good defensive tackles. And the Eagles, like, this is the week, man. You got Hargrave, Malik. Maybe Fletcher. I don't know what the deal with Fletcher is. He did practice today, but he's game time decision. This is the week. They got to do it. They have to get back on track. They're running out of the pocket thing, though. That's something that's very interesting because when they kept Goff in the pocket, their line was able to actually get pressure. It's when Goff started rolling out, and I wonder if they looked at that game plan and noticed something. Right. All right, Sports Bash coming up. We got uh, Ask Mike and Broads. That's on the other side. Get your questions in now, 609 403 
888-609-0973. If you have a question for today's Ask Mike and Broad, send it in now, 609-403-0973 on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. And, of course, uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, it's a happy hour Friday. The PT is here. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash. Hill, weekdays from 2 to 6. South Jersey's number one sports talk radio show on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, ask Mike and Broads. Send us a text, 609-403-0973 on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. I'll start off with this one because I thought it was an interesting question. Does 0-6 get Wentz benched or Doug fired or both? Man, if you're zero and six, do you have to make a quarterback change? I, I would think you would. Do you yeah. give up on the guy you paid all that money to, number two pick in the draft, and you say that's it? We've made our decision. Okay, here's where I would think there's a chance it doesn't happen. What if they lose? If Wentz throws three touchdowns, has three hundred and fifty yards, and they lose forty-two to thirty, so you know what I mean? Though, like, yeah. what if it starts to transition more into? You know, hey, it's not like all on Carson Wentz. There are other issues, and Carson isn't playing as sloppy as he has throughout these first couple games. Yeah, I mean, that's – but, like, if you're 0-6, is it more about performance or, like, hey, it's time to evaluate other people? If it's six games of this, it would be hard to justify keeping him in there, even though I'm, I'm someone who thinks that Wentz deserves a chance to work himself out of it. That's a really tough question. That's when it comes down to, at that time, you would have a better vibe and a better sense of what's going on. You know, like, it's hard right now to be like, okay, if you're 0-6, in a vacuum, 0-6. Well, there's so much information that needs to be known in that 0-6 for me to really know what my decision would be. Yeah, I got you. Like, you know, context is king. It matters. Like, okay, how'd they get to 0-6? Injuries. Is he playing really well, but the defense just keeps... You know, the one thing we talked about it with somebody uh, this week was that you're not getting beat on all these big plays like you've gotten beat on like over the top in the past. You're just getting methodically beat, and then there's like that seam play that the tight end killed you last week. Well, it's, it's good that you bring that up because Corey asked a question about what Brandon Graham had to say, and he asked if we value what Brandon Graham said about Jim Schwartz. So you brought up the defense. Brandon Graham was like, you know, this guy has our back, and he liked that. How much value do yeah. you put into that type of uh, statement out of BG? You know, I do put some value into it because of this. You know, I'm not a bit, uh, Jim Schwartz hater by any stretch of the imagination. Do I think he's the best guy in the league? No, but I think he's probably a top 10, maybe top 7 coordinator um people act like you know there's there's these great coordinators and you're missing out because you have jim schwartz no it's another thing it's like that that role is very difficult to find a guy who's really innovative because they get gobbled up and they become head coaches um and schwartz is a good one um i didn't think he had a very good game plan at all like i was watching that game and i was like i don't care if these guys are getting whipped at the line of scrimmage or aren't playing very well they're just wide open looks everywhere. Like, what's going on here? It just looked like the Rams were two and three steps and decisions ahead of you. So I thought that Schwartz called a bad game. But for Graham to come out and really say, oh, I thought we were going to get cussed out because we didn't execute the game plan very well, I think there's something to be said for that. And I'm very intrigued to see how the defense comes out this week. 